This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Delightful. Yeah, Jorma Tacone, a very spidey Christmas there, the night before Christmas 1967. I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today is episode number of 1216. Well, that's not the... That's the episode number, anyway. Zero G, the science fiction, fantasy and historical radio show, which is entitled today, Haley's Comment. And our podcast title is Into the Potterverse. Nice. Hmm. Oh, uh, well, lots of we've been basically been to the cinema and seen all the stuff that uh, is coming up for the um, holiday season. Basically, apart yeah. from Aquaman, yes, which is dropping on Boxing Day. Rob's been very brave. He went to the mall and went to the pictures and battled the crowds and the families. And uh, stuff. It actually, wasn't that bad. You know, it's not like it was Darth Mall or something. It was just <laughs> or a mall crawler or a web slinger. But no, Dawn of the Dead business. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, there was no goblin being played in the background. It was actually fine. Wow, well, that's not bad. Mm. Uh, okay, so uh, what's well, this? Is unpaid a- a- announcement for consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I, I, I checked out some Netflix stuff. Um, yes. There's a whole bunch of stuff dropped on there, including um, The Bird Box. Yes, that's Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. And John Malkovich. Ooh, yeah. I'm very – I mean, Netflix must have a lot of – well, I know they have a lot of money to be throwing at all these people to get them on their – to do things on their service. Yeah. Um, it's just come out. Mm-hmm. So if you want to check that out – it's a uh, post-apocalyptic a thing. Post-apocalyptic right? one. And it's in the same vein. It's, it's interesting. We've had a, a quite a few, I should say, sensible post-apocalyptic stories. Mm. This is, these are ones where they basically take away one of your senses. Right. Right. So, like, the quiet, quiet place, place took away the ability to generate noise because it was too dangerous. Mm. Uh, in Skyline, if you remember that, if you looked out the window and saw the... Um, the creatures, uh, and once they they spotted your eyes, they could they could do things to you then. Um, and Day of the Triffids, go back to that one. Um, the the meteor shower made people blind. Um, there's another movie called Blindness. Yeah, 2008. It's did the a same book thing. originally by mm. I can't remember the author. I think it's a Spanish author, but it was also made into a movie. I think with Julianne Moore. Mm. And of course, the Perfect Sense, which is the uh, <gasps> Perfect Sense. That's the trope. Yeah, the, the, the genre, the complete trope, because the plague in that robs you of your senses one by one. That was a really. I think that's a highly underrated movie. Yeah, it wasn't very widely distributed, and mm-hmm. it kind of fell off the radar. I saw it at a film festival. Yeah. Had Ewan McGregor in it and Eva Green. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's sort of a gradual thing, but at each stage it kind of has these ways of how humanity adjusted without that sense mm. um, and the different things they put into place. It's highly recommend seeking that one out. It's quite good. Well, this one, uh, the um, the Bird Box, which is a great little title, actually. Bird, bird Box. Bird Box, yep. <laughs> it, um, it starts with uh, unexplained mass suicides, uh, tens of thousands of people in Europe and Russia 
and this naturally spreads to the only really place that matters, the America. United States of America. Oh. Where our story begins. <laughs> Where our story begins, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of things, a lot of tropes in play here um, uh, in genre terms and post-apocalyptic ones. It's a little bit like the zombie movie Cargo. Okay. Because um, kids figure in it quite prominently. Uh, Sandra Bullock is playing a, an artist who um, gets caught up in uh, all of this turmoil and has to look after some kids. Uh, it's told in flashbacks partly um, as she's travelling down a, r- a river in a tinny with the kids. And also, so that gives you that, gives you that necessary, this is what happened yeah. sort of feeling. It's also based on a book. Yes, it starts very strongly. And finishes strongly too, I thought. And, and the middle bit, no problem at all. So really, when you're looking at it, it all comes together. Um, I thought this is a very good uh, post-apocalyptic procedural story with some neat ideas along the way of how you would cope with uh, losing the particular sense in this um, in this movie, um, or at least having it um, handicapped in a way. Uh, so. They've um, got all of the tropes running through it. The acting is fine because you've got people like John Malkovich in it yeah. and, and so on. Uh, the music's didn't... by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Who are? <laughs> sort of they're a mixture from Nine Inch Nails and so on, but they also did the music. They've done a lot of scores, but they did the music for The Social Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I really like their scores, so... Well, actually, the um, the novel was by Josh Mellerman, who's the lead singer of The High Strung. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, it also reminds me a bit of um, uh, The Happening. Remember that M. Night oh, Shyamalan that film? That was an absolute turd. Oh, look, I thought the idea was interesting. The idea was interesting, but I found the execution offensive. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was... I think that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I can remember the dialogue was pretty woeful. And the acting was woeful. Yeah. They didn't really seem to even want to be there. Th- their brains were all messed up, though, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> There's no excuse. There is no excuse. I, look, I, I didn't really um, click with the MacGuffin behind all of this in the in Bird Box. Okay. Uh, there's some problems there. But I felt that um, Susan Beer's direction of this was taut and compelling and also quite... Um, Suspenseful at many stages. She's uh, one of those ones who, um, the director, she's one of those ones who've come from uh, music videos uh, and so on, um, films like um, Things We Lost in the Fire and uh, In a Better World and so on. So I actually think she brings a really good, um, I suppose we'll call it a continental um, sensibility to the uh, the story that, that mm. puts you into a mood of... Um, of disrupted societies, uh, and not in, you know not not post-apocalyptic ones, but ones in the real world where you've had a war roll through yeah. um, a, a city or a, or a country, that kind of thing. So I think she's actually managed to take make a very good stab at this one. Would you read the book? Like, was the premise interesting enough to? I, I in this case, I feel like I wish I'd read the book first. Mm. You know, um, but yeah, sure. If uh, if the opportunity presented itself, I'd, I'd be glad to add this one to my um, post-apocalyptic bookshelf. Mm. After the apocalypse, of course, it'll all be used as as um, fire and kindling. Yeah, <laughs> so that's on Netflix now. Bird box. All right, now um, we have seen also the uh, Sabrina. Yes. 
Christmas special. Some of us have. I can't believe <laughs> I introduced this to us and I forgot to watch it. You did. <laughs> um, but I did finish the season mm-hmm. and I was quite happy with how the season ended. Yep. I won't say much more, but I thought that leaves it open for some interesting stuff in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking forward to the Christmas special. Now, is it chronologically after? Yes. Ah, okay. That's in- good. In fact, because they greenlit the second season so quickly yeah. after the first one, uh, basically just rolling into it, uh, this one... Uh, really, unlike a lot of Christmas specials, it doesn't feel dropped into the narrative. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there and advances the story, so you actually need to see this one. Okay. Um, and there's uh, elements in here that address the pagan origins of the Christmas story quite effectively, mm. I thought. Okay. Uh, and it gives you some little insights into some of the other characters. and I, I'm really happy with it. Good. And it's also nasty. Excellent. <laughs> That's all the things we like. Yeah. Story progression, nastiness, but fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking at my... You know how people have Christmas traditions? I've heard. <laughs> uh, and mine usually revolve around parody and mockery and... Mm. and um, Terrible uh, Christmas covers. Geekmas and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, that Christmas movie, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. As you'd expect. And this is not unusual for geeks. Mm. It's not the normal Christmas movies... You know. Yeah, like what would you watch at Christmas well, if, if forced? Well, not even not even um, Family Vacation, which of course oh, is a, a default one. Or the die, originals, right? Yeah, yeah. Or Die Hard. Yeah. Um, or even Bad Santa. Those are those are quite ordinary for me. I'm into more um, into Krampus, which we reviewed on the show. <laughs> you quite liked Krampus. Yeah, I did. I did. But you know, then I start thinking about ones that just happened to be set at Christmas, like Iron Man Three. Mm. Or Three Days of the Condor, um, <laughs> or anything by Shane Black, actually. I think it's interesting, like, what defines a Christmas movie, which is another conversation. But you're right. I mean, I think there's all kinds of things people like watching at the holidays, and it doesn't necessarily have to be. Even 1941 is set at Christmas, or, <laughs> or the original Dust Boot ends up at Christmas. Well, I mean, there's an <laughs> upper of a Christmas classic Yeah, so, you. you know, and there's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life, actually. It's a pretty good fantasy. I used to watch that all the time. That's but about as lo- as, uh, as saccharine as I'd go. Well, some of it gets quite. I mean, when he gets hit in the ear and his ear bleeds, is pretty <laughs> pretty dark. Yeah, that's true. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, I like to go back and watch Christmas episodes and Christmas specials of TV shows. Oh, yeah. I like like Buffy Christmas, but although some of the Buffy Christmas episodes weren't that strong. Actually, they do that um, on some of the streamers. They they actually have like the Christmas on, episodes on all Stan, at once. And I know they have a little carousel of of your Christmas, which is not a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. A lot of the good old OC Christmas episodes uh the bad news is and it's got nothing to do with christmas but it's a terrible present is that z nation's mm. fifth season is its last season um they got gonna, up to season five it That's got up to season five bad. but the weird thing is even though they've cancelled that um netflix has picked up a prequel series called black summer what are they doing <laughs> so we're gonna have more zombie apocalypse <laughs> comedy there is the walking dead finished no it's still going oh Actually, that's that's a matter of opinion. Actually, because there's a spin-off or something, isn't there? So, yeah, there was Fear the Walking Dead. That's right. Um, it's a stumbling along, sort of there, yeah. shambling along. <laughs> Don't trust whoever you're going to end up with in the next township. Just, yeah, okay. Just avoid it, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, let me play a track here, which is um, by a uh, an artiste called Chili Tea. 
And this is a bit archival, so I just grab this one and there'll be a little beep at the start, so just ignore Ooh, that. What are we um, in store for? Get Off Mine is the album, and Chili T is um, um, a rapper and, a, and I suppose allegedly a singer. But amongst other things, well, we'll get to the other things after we've heard a little bit of the track. Oh, gracious me. This is C. Montgomery Burns speaking. I know you're a layabout and have no job because you're listening to 3 Triple R. Now get to work. Find something to do. I guess that makes us the irregular broadcasters, mm. the unorthodox broadcasters, the strange ones, the niche broadcasters. We need that. Yes. <laughs> All right, that was Chili Tea there with Get Off Mine. Now... <laughs> I was like, Rob, is that chilly, like hot chilli or cold? Or no. How are we spelling this? Well, that was actually uh, 1990s chilli. And um, that album came out in, in the 1990s, uh, 1993 actually. Feels 90s. And that's his uh, rapper tag, Chili T, but his real name is Travis Knight. Oh, I see where we've gone with this. Yes. Very interesting. Now, we often play celebrity songs from actors that have been in a movie. It is a favourite pastime of Zero mm-hmm. It's a trope. And Trav- but seldom do we play any music songs by the director of a film and Travis Knight is an American uh, an American animator, film producer and film director. He worked as uh, lead animator for Stop Animation Studio Leica uh, worked on um, a whole bunch of different um, animated productions until he got oh. to this one Yeah. and he's the director of Bumblebee <laughs> the movie no one asked for. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so he's also got this rap career. He was a director of um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, which is quite well received. And he worked on Caroline and the Box Trolls. Yeah. So, he, so he's got chops, maybe not know, rap ones. Yeah. But. No, maybe not rap ones, but I wouldn't know. Sounded all right <laughs> to me. Uh, okay, so Transformers, that's the uh, American and Japanese franchise produced by Hasbro and Takara Tomi, both, Japan, both um, toy companies. Now these, um, in 1984, they became a Transformers toy line and then thereby we got the, uh, the whole cartoon series, video games, comic books, films... And so on, a live-action series, Michael Bay's Baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bumblebee is the sixth live-action movie in the Transformers series. Wow. It's a bit of a soft reboot, and it is a prequel. And I'm here to tell you that it's probably better than at least four of the Transformers movies. Four out of six, four okay. Four out of six. Um, so it's actually pretty good. I was, I was surprised. And I think it's all down to that director and also to the writer, who's Christina Hodson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's um, a comic book writer as well as other things. She did a film called, uh, a script for a film called Shut In and Unforgettable. And she's one of those ones who got picked off the, uh, the um, is it the black, uh, the, out of the black book? You know, that um, the book oh, of uh, scripts. Yeah, that, scripts that... Um Best unbought scripts. I can't yeah, remember the yeah. name of it. Yeah, blacklist or black book. But she's also been writing for DC and for uh, Warner Brothers um, 
uh, Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey and, and uh, Barbara Gordon and so on. So she's got some um, interesting genre sensibilities that I think she's brought to this. And this film is set in 1987 California. Oh, people love 1987 California. They do. So when Bumblebee first comes to Earth okay. as a soldier scout for the refugee Autobots who've lost the war on Cybertron. That is smart in a way because mm. he is a favourite of the franchise yep. and setting, doing something fresh, going to the 80s. I can see it. I can see it. it you know, it's not like they're, um, they're picking out like the cassette recorder <laughs> and sending him to Earth in this. Although, that said, you know. Mm, well, I mean, I hope it makes an appearance. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, some of the, the, the tropes are extremely familiar there. He runs into Charlie Watson, um, who's a, a, a sort of a tomboyish um, uh, young woman who's a me- who, who moonlights as a mechanic at her uncle's scrapyard. You can <laughs> see where that's going. Yeah, you know, it's played by um, and played really well. I thought by uh, Haley Steinfeld, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was watching actually watching an eighties science fiction film. One of those something like. Um, uh, short Circuit or... Oh, fun. Is that an 80s one or is it a 90s? might be actually I think that's 90s. 90s. But, yeah, you know, that's sort of on the cusp of those sort of yeah. films. Yeah. Um, so and if that's what they're going for, I think that's a real... Yeah, I think... That's a good vibe at the moment. Yeah, I think they channeled it quite effectively, uh, especially in stuff like the background details. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all littered throughout here. Everyone's got uh, computers that are big CRT nice. monitors. Uh, there are tractor feed printers going... <laughs> you know... Um, I remember those. We had those at school. Yeah, there's uh, oh, there's no phone, no mobile phones. It's all Walkmans to carry your music. A around simpler with, yeah, time. A simpler time. I even spotted um, an Iron Man action figure on uh, one of the geeks' uh, bookshelves. Oh. I think it was roughly in period. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I could probably tell you, but I'm not going to go there. Um, all right, so... Uh, she does a really fine job in this, and we know her from um, True Grit, where she played Matty Ross. Which is a while ago now. Uh, she was also in Ender's Game and the Pitch Perfect yeah. series of movies. Uh, yeah, they're like a singing thing. She will run foul of, and she has got that, that tropey sort of story where her father died of a heart attack, and now she's with her, um, her mum and her. Uh, sort of kind of stepfather, her her mum's boyfriend kind Mm. of thing, you know. Uh, And she's got a younger brother who's into karate, which, of course, is a very 80s sort of thing. Yeah, all the kids are into karate back in the 80s. And we know we're going to run into um, the the obligatory government uh, agents. One of them played by um, uh, John Senna, who's a professional wrestler. Wrestler. Another rapper. (laughs) Gracious. Let's not hear one of his. Let's not hear his one of his. (laughs) Uh, We've also got... um, uh, um, George uh, Lenneborg Jr. playing um, um, uh, an eighties geek. Right, you got to have one of those in this. Uh, and he's been in um, Spider Man: Homecoming, playing a named character. Oh. Uh, also, he's in the new movie Battle Angel Alita. Ah, we've got uh, John Ortiz playing a doctor from the um, mysterious Sector Seven agency. Hmm. We've seen him before in Aliens vs Predator: Requiem and. Kong Skull Island. Oh. You'd think you'd have learnt yes. from now not, well. not to go into these situations. Um, they never learn. Pamela Adelon plays Sally Watson, uh, Charlie's mum. She does the voice of um, Hayley Wallowitz in The Big Bang Theory. That's the baby. 
Oh. Who sounds like Mrs. Wallowitz when right. she Right. I, I avoid the Big Bang Theory. Oh, it's my, my people. Goodness. <laughs> Don't you find it's a little, like, stereotypical? Yes. But, like, offensively so? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's all right. I, I, I'm, I'm okay to be offended. <laughs> So am I, but not a, it's not that. Anyway. I like to be laughed at. Let's move on. Let's yes, move on. Yes, okay. Uh, and we've got um, the voice, uh, a guy called uh, Dylan O'Brien playing the voice of Bumblebee. And he's done voice acting before, of course. That's how you would expect it. Although, remembering that Bumblebee does yeah. basically talk in uh, grabs and radio sounds, you know, it's not really as much there as you'd hope for the poor guy. Now, Bumblebee in this is a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah, not the Camaro. Not the, yeah, right. Um, but there's some Easter eggs hidden in all of that because it's more than meets the eye. So are we starting like a new... Okay, I'll hold my questions. Peter Cullen is once again playing the voice of Optimus Prime and he's been playing Optimus for a very long time, since Good. the 80s. He's got the voice. Uh, Angela Bassett plays uh, the voice of Shatter, hmm. a Decepticon triple changer. Oh. And that was Queen Ramoda in, Ramonda in the Black Panther. So, and Justin Farrow is her sidekick, or actually her dropkick. He's another Decepticon. Um, what the fundamental thing I have with the problem I have with the Transformers universe that makes no sense. Uh, why would people on uh, beings, mechanical beings on the planet Cybertron? I can understand that they want to change into Earth machinery mm. as a disguise. Mm. Kind Fine. of makes sense. But why would they actually hang out on Cybertron before they actually go to as Earth? Machines. As, as Earth machines. As Earth machines. Yeah. It would be like if we could shapeshift into like an alien race to go and blend in there, but we just hung out as that alien race on Earth. Before we before even Before we them. even knew that that other world existed. Yes. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. That's what metaphor means. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so th- this is what... The, the, my fundamental problem there is, but we you know it's a toy-based thing, so you can't take that too far, can you? You know. I mean, they've got they've got versions that have dinosaurs and like yeah. Arthurian legends. I don't think yeah. they're really playing yeah. that I, close to what makes I just, sense. I just thought I'd drop <laughs> drop that in there. Apart from that, this is this would actually make a, a perfect and quite spectacular eighties um, kids movie. Okay. Um, I think, as I said, the uh, the chief, the prime actress, Hayley Steinfeld, really nails the role as she goes through it. Um, it's not the same kind of... Uh, she's not playing the sexy teen, like we're not into the... Um, oh, what was her name? Megan, uh, Megan Fox. Megan Fox, yeah. We're not into that area. I'm all, glad. I'm good. glad that she's just a straight-up female protagonist and she's playing, like, the Shia LaBeouf role yeah. instead of the exactly. draped over a motorcycle role. That's right. That's great. So I think that's where they're going with that. Uh, and I, I felt I, I didn't feel shortchanged by this one. It was a uh, smaller story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Bumblebee. It's it's an all right Transformers movie. It's not a dog. I mean, it's also come off the back of one that wasn't as good. Oh yeah, it's easy. So the bars, you know, the bars, the bars not low. existed at this point. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I've I mean, I'm not going to see it, but... <laughs> no, I, you, you probably don't. And I also wanted to say that the CGI I thought was really good on this one. Okay. I was never in any doubt about the physical existence of Bumblebee. Yeah. I, because maybe he's a smaller scale sort of yeah. transformer. Yeah. He looked like he had weight yeah. and, and mass and, and, and all the things that you want in a It did get a bit a weird in some of them where it just wasn't really... It didn't look like they were transforming. It just looked like... Yeah. It just looked odd. It was uncanny and I didn't like it. And the, the fighting is – and that's important. We've got 
giant robots fighting. Um, that's why we're all showing up. That's, isn't that's it? why, that's why, why I paid my yeah. admission ticket of fifty dollars or whatever. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. It's not fifty. It's fifteen at the moment. Oh, yeah, uh, and. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm quite shocked by this. <laughs> as, as shocked as a, an Autobot being struck by a taser, which is something that does actually happen. In but pleasantly form. shocked. That's pleasantly good. shocked, yeah. It started my heart again. Aww. So I'm wondering if they could actually continue on from this, but what would be the point? Surely you just plug this into the other ones. Well, I mean, I guess if they're going down a different... Oh, wait. We know. We, we've seen... We know this song. We know X-Men First Class yeah. in its relationship They can to the go others. as long as they want, really, yeah. I think. Interesting. But the smaller scale, that was the way to go. The yeah. period yeah. setting, also Smart. the way to go. Yeah. Smart. I think, I think, look, I'll say they've done it right. If you're going to make another one, you've at least tried to do it smart. Mm. All right. So uh, our track to run off this will be actually by the actress Hayley Steinfeld, who is... Um, a singer. Yes, she's uh, a pop singer. She's yeah. quite popular with the young ones, from yeah. what I understand. And this is Back to Life. Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> ah, there we go. This uh, a little bit of a... Fairly standard um, end credits track there. Yeah, a little bit of pop, something from the actress. You know, she's got a nice voice, but as we were saying, it's... Hayley you know. Steinfeld, who plays the uh, the mechanic in um, Bumblebee, the movie there. Bring it home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've also been to see, so we've seen um, Bumblebee and Bird Box and Colette. Yes. Uh, this is the... Um, Biographical drama film directed by Wash Westmoreland um, and uh, also written by his um, former partner who unfortunately has passed away, Richard Glatzer. And he died from um, um, a motor neuron type disease, uh, ALS it's called, in 2015. So this is kind of a... Really, quite literally, a labour of love, this film. Yeah. And Wash, uh, Westmoreland has um, gone on to finish this. Um, they, they, the he, he, husband and husband team uh, worked on um, Still Alice with Julian Moore and Alec oh. Baldwin and Kristen Stewart and a number of other films as well. And some of these stories um, um, have dealt quite a bit with gender fluidity mm-hmm. and this film does certainly do that in spades. It's based upon the life of the French novelist, uh, and I love this name, uh, Sidon Gabriel Collette, mm-hmm. uh, who was born in 1873 and passed away in 1954. So one of those great 19th century novelists who spanned into the 20th century. And some pretty incredible, saw some pretty incredible decades. Yes, absolutely. And wrote in all of them. Um, you might know her if you're a fan of... Um, uh, Lerner and Lowe musicals and classic Hollywood films, Gigi. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was the one who wrote the novella for that in 1944. Nice. And um, she's had so many references to her character, her her career in songs mm. and other films and, and bits and pieces. So she was um, uh, born to a, a family that was reasonably well off. Her father was a war hero uh, and a tax collector. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, his wife was quite um, 
They were all very popular in the in the village of uh, Saint Sauveur and uh, Pousset in uh, Burgundy. <laughs> Struggling <laughs> with all of that. Let's just say Burgundy. Burgundy, yeah, okay. Um, and then it all went sort of pear shaped. Mm. So she ended up in a public school, which is not a horrible thing. <laughs> but, you know. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! Um, and in 1893, she married Henri Gaultier Villas, hmm. who was a, a quite well-known author who published under the pen name of Willie. But you see, he didn't always write those stories. This is oh. a quite common entrepreneurial trope back in the day. So he was like a house, sure. you know, stable of writers working under that. And at one stage, he needs uh, somebody to write some... Um, some salacious sort of novels and he turns to her because she's often told him of her childhood. Right. Uh, and and it, all, it just goes ballistic from there. Like if there were action figures, uh, the character that she creates, Claudine, if there were action figures, there would be those. There's certainly um, um, collectible prints, mm. <laughs> plays, uh, <laughs> you know, everything. It's, yeah. It just goes – it goes viral. <laughs> for that early century time. viral, I like it. Kiera Knightley plays Colette, mm-hmm. and we know her from so many things. I yes. don't think I really need to detail that. We know her. You know her. And she always she always looks good in the period year. Yes, that's from whence she came. Really, her earliest roles were mostly period. Yeah. Who uh, was Henri? Dominic West. Oh, I like him. Yeah, he has that like. Rugged energy. Well, he was um, quite rugged in uh, Marvel's Punisher Warzone playing mm-hmm. Jigsaw and also in um, Neil Marshall's uh, Centurion film. He was played the idiot general. <laughs> Is that his credit in it? Yeah, idiot it should, general. It should be. <laughs> uh, and also um, was um, Richard Croft, Lord Richard Croft yes, in Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Mm. Did you see that one? I did. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We talked about it. We yeah. Did. Who did? I've been playing those games. I barely again. remember it now. Yes, well. Uh, and I thought the uh, the casting there was spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, Henri is a, is it he, he is sort of the early love of Colette's life, but also not. And he's a gaslighter Ugh. as well. But he has other things too, so it's okay. quite nuanced. Uh, he is, he, you know, the Svengali thing fits in for that and he's, he actually helps her along to become right. a great writer because he's there as an editor. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's a complicated yeah, thing. Yeah, the relationship. It, it is very complicated. Okay. Uh, even more complicated in the fact that um, Colette has <laughs> lesbian relationships with other people. In fact... Because um, Henri is a libertine, one mm-hmm. of one of the famous ones in that period of time. Um, they're actually having affairs with the same woman <laughs> at the same time, and they both don't and they don't know it. Lack of communication there. Yeah, and they're supposed to be authors, really. You know, just <laughs> leave a note. <laughs> I'm with Geraldine tonight. <laughs> yeah, post-it note on the door or something. I don't know, but it, it's. Um, I actually found this quite a charming movie. It, it covers um, Colette's life from uh, basically in her 20s. Okay. So this is the first bunch of really popular novels that she's done, but she ha- doesn't have her name on them. Mm. And this is the story of uh, the transition to yeah. her becoming a, an a author. A known writer. Yeah, in her own right. Um, so don't expect the entire life of the person. Maybe there could be sequels. Mm. You know? Well, I mean, I think the 20s, early life, 
blossoming as a writer. That's mm. what you want to – that's mm. your entry point. That's what you want to see. Up to a certain point, I actually felt – like last week, remember I was talking about Mortal Engines? I felt yes. that would make a great Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, yeah. This one, up to a certain point, <laughs> <laughs> also would be like that. So, I'd, again, I'd, um, I'd recommend this film – did I recommend Bumblebee? I don't know. No. Said, I said I wouldn't see it and you said, said oh, yes. So it's a, you know, if you're in the right mood for Bumblebee, it's a yeah movie. Sure. Uh, this one's definitely a yeah movie. Nice. The costuming's gorgeous. Um, the performances are great. And Kiera Knightley has this... this um, uh, you know when you're doing a soliloquy on stage and you're sort of um, talking to the audience? Yes, I do that. She has often. a way of doing that in a look. Yeah. You know? She's a very good actress. She gets a lot of flack. Yeah. But I think that in the right roles, she's she's quite incredible. And I felt this this one was for a her. A good fit. Clearly, this is a timely sort of a story to be telling. Mm. Um, it's not quite a Me Too story, but there is um, the gaslighting aspect yeah. of it. So it is a very timely one. Uh, it, it's not going to – I expect it's not going to stay in the cinemas for all that long. Yeah. Um, It'll be pushed out by some of the holiday releases, Yeah, yeah. And, in fact, I saw this in Europa Cinema, so – Maybe it's, yeah, yeah, limited release. But it's a good one for that too. Yeah, nice. So Colette, and it's um, it's out now. And the soundtrack, again, it's so Studio Ghibli. It's like, you know – Quaint tracks. And this is called Snow Globe. And it's by Thomas Adair. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet. Zero, G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Yeah. How soothing. How soothing. Uh, it was um, Snow Globe from the Colette soundtrack by Thomas Ades or Adair, I think it's actually how it's pronounced. I don't know. <laughs> AIDS? <laughs> no, A-D-E with a... Oh, it's got a little uh, yeah, with a, accent. An accent on it going down usually. So okay. Adair. My, my, my error? I think it's Adair. Okay. I, I like the sound of that. Mm. <laughs> Just fixating in there on minor details. Spider-Man into yes. the Spider-Verse. Yay! Oh, you know, we've had so many absolutely gobstopping superhero movies this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, really. This really. kind of came out, it swung out of nowhere for me. And then a few people were talking about it and they sort of said the art was really cool and it's worth checking out. And mm-hmm. I was like, I do like Spider-Man mythology, so let's have a look. It's directed by Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rotham. Three directors. Rodney Rotham, that is such a Marvel alliterative Stanley kind of name. Uh, between them they have credits from as animation directors and directors from Puss in Boots, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Predator 2, Tank Girl, Storyboarding for those, nice. uh, screenplay by Phil Lord and Christopher Robert, who's, sorry, by Phil Lord, yeah. uh, who's... Um, Directed and written uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in the Lego movie. Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, also co-producing the television series The Last Man on Earth for Fox. Oh, yeah, so with um, Will Forte. I thought that was, all of that set looked really kind of um, an interesting mix for this oh. animated film, which I can only describe as gangster I th- as animated films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I thought this movie was amazing. I really loved it. Um, God, the more I like a thing, the less articulate I am about it. I'm just like, yeah, it was cool. It looked good. It was sick. But it really was. Like, I think everything came together really well. Yeah. I think it's quite an accomplishment when you look at some of the effects and the real the style of it because it's meant to have that kind of 
thought out haphazard look of like really good street art and graffiti and i think it achieves that part of that comes from the fact that they've used uh actual cartoon panels to inspire it it is cgi um and i have a sneaking feeling that the best way to see this because i didn't is in 3d yeah i'm pretty sure of that because there's some color separation issues that show up on the 2d screen okay that i don't think would uh, i think would actually work in 3d and and at some stages actually use the uh, use a a kind of a kind of a color separation to give you uh things out of focus in the background yeah but it doesn't quite work as well as it might all the time so i think there might be a little problem there that said that's the only criticism i have of this wonderful film the plot is great too like the story is fresh well yes and no it's um very familiar to marvel fans from the initial uh idea of uh spider-man and spider people crossing over from alternate universes that is very much and i knew about spider gwen Mm -hmm. um but i guess in terms of the fact that i think a lot of people are a bit spider-man fatigued yeah but i think the animation plus this new spider-man concept meant that it did feel really new to me even though i know it's sort of a familiar aspect of the spider-man law um so throw in miles morales the latino spider-man we've got another couple of spider-man in there including um um a chris pine voiced version is he uh he's the he's he's um, the one who's actually from miles morales universe so you know we've got gwen stacy who's voiced by Hayley hayley steinfeld again um, uh, and and uh, then the uh, – I mean, I guess I haven't watched the trailer of this, so I don't know how much is given away in the trailer of what the plot is. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a multiverse story yeah. where spider people get So together. let's say there's another traditional Spider-Man who's older and he's voiced by Jake Johnson. Yes. Whose voice I recognise because he's in uh, the new – he's in New Girl and – um, this movie I like called Drinking Buddies. Lily Tomlin does the voice of Aunt May. She's so good. She is so good. Um, uh, we've even got John Mulaney, the comedian, playing Peter Porker. Oh, Spider Ham. I like that there's some fun. There's definitely some nods to different animation styles as well. I thought oh, that yeah. was really cool. And so There's a, a, a manga anime yeah. Spider Man. There's an old. Nicolas Cage. He. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I genuinely laughed out loud in plenty of places in this movie, and I'm already thinking about it. I might want to watch it again. Spider-Man Noir, he plays the voice of. Yes, <laughs> Spider-Man Noir. He's already been Ghost Rider. Yeah. You know, I so. think he does it so well, and I think they pepper that through just the right amount. There's also, before I forget to mention, just stay after the credits. Yes, lots of staying yeah. after the credits. Um, and there's a big name in the credits as well. Yeah. Wilson Fisk is appearing in this movie as well. Yes. Um, but it's not um, our daredevil It's weird. Actors. I guess they have proprietary rights to still use him. Liev Schreiber plays the voice of um, Kingpin. And he's, um, he's good. He's played uh, Wolverine, uh, not Wolverine, um, Sabretooth in uh, X-Men Origins. And Wolverine. he was in, uh, he was a voice in Isle of Dogs as well. Yes. Well done. And Very he's well also done. in the Screen Trilogy. Mm. And Catherine Hahn plays the voice of Dr. Octopus as a female gender yes. variation in this. Um, <laughs> look, it's just, it's just a wonderful film. It's crazy. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, it, it brings up so much from the comic books. There are Easter eggs scattered throughout this. It's, you know, all over the place without actually making mm. you 
trip over them. Yeah, and it's very much if you're not if you don't if you're not aware of the Spider Verse and and those kinds of concepts, it's still a really good entry point. Like I think if you think you're like, oh, Spider Man, I've seen fifty versions of this already. This is still worth going to. Mm. It also is in canon wise. It seems to pick up off the Tobey Maguire Spider Man yeah. films. Oh yeah, Sony because Sony has put this out. You can tell because they product place all kinds of things in this film, which, which is my only criticism. They actually do use um, Cliff Robins, Robertson from the 2002 Spider-Man film. They use a fl- with a flashback scene for Ben Parker. Yeah. So, so they've actually... It's you know, quite clearly those. stitched onto the back of that, but it's not at all really related to that. It's just Sony saying, those are the films we made, remember? Mm. Yeah. And also a beautiful tribute to Stan Lee, which was yeah. planned before. It was lovely. Yeah, I really I just think loved that. That was perfect. Yeah, I, I, apart from that one thing about maybe some of the thing, the focus stuff and the mm. color separation, oh, it's just amazing. The amazing Spider Man, yeah. Spider Man, because he's got Spider-verse. a hyphen again. So this is a Spider Man version that has two a hyphen. hyphens. Yes, Spider Verse and Spider Man. Yeah. Um, um, yes, this is the other big Marvel film. It's a Sony one, though, this uh, Columbia Sony yes. one. Uh, and this actually fills a niche that I really, really wanted them to do. Yeah. Uh, a Marvel movie that's aimed primarily at a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really should have been in there from the start. Yeah. And here they are now. Although it's not Marvel Studios. But it doesn't matter. It's a great film I anyway. I was honestly, I'm like animated Ugh. and I like animation yeah. but I'm just not that into the animated superhero stuff I know you are but I'm not it's just not for me yeah but it was great yeah um, and one of the, the loveliest touch of all I think was um, ink was that you can see the the, the dots yeah from the printing it's and <laughs> it's also like a lot of it is kind of comic book panel style but not too much. And we like get it word balloons. Overdo it. We get word balloons yeah. too. Yeah, and and some clever fourth wall stuff. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting all excited thinking about. It. My voice has gone all high. I, I think sh- I want to see it again. I want to see it again now. I've yeah. con- I want to see it in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. It that's could be. The too- there are some scenes that were pretty psychedelic, though. Mm. You know what? We've actually run out of time to play our Bowie track today, but that's all right. We've been playing Bowie tracks all year, and this is Zero G, and I do like to break mm. tradition. <laughs> you know, so we will. Actually, um, oh, we'll go with um, uh, a track called Spidey Bells, A Hero's Lament. And this is actually by Chris Pine. So I listen to this and I think Captain Kirk. (laughs) But the Spidey um, EP, the Christmas uh, EP has dropped on um, iTunes and all those other things uh just now so i thought oh cool this is so great i'll be able to play this today and i wanted to i said this last week it's christmas themed it's kind of christmas themed and uh i'll give you a little bit about once upon a deadpool next week on our um our show but thank you megan thank you rob for another great year Mm -hmm. um because i won't be for the actual last show next week yep but I'll be here the week after, but so thanks here, again. You're here for the penultimate one. Exactly. <laughs> I love the word penultimate. I do, don't you? It's like paraphernalia. I love that word too. Oh, that's a good – minutiae is also a good Minutia, yeah, ephemera. <laughs> God. <laughs> we'll be here all day. But, yes, thank yes. you again. And uh, Joe Brunetic is coming up mm. next with Astral Glamour. So, yeah, be careful out there, guys and, and girls and everybody. Yeah. And, and creatures. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.